Welcome back, everybody. This is the Black Wash Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Larry Sampson, with my other co-host, Destiny Johnson. And today we have a very important topic today. We're talking about education. Now, last week we talked about kind of, you know, starting new businesses, how to make money, getting different revenue streams. But a lot of times that can be contingent on your level of education. So today we didn't kind of want to put the cart before the horse, but we, we still got to talk about how we look at education, especially uh, being black in America. Sometimes these higher uh, learning institutions are kind of situated in such a way that it doesn't necessarily put us in the most advantageous position. Okay, yeah, and before we get into that, I just want to state my preference on this subject because I state this all the time. I think people think that I'm kidding, but I'm always like, yeah, going to school is like a huge scam, especially me. I've done so much school and I know that you can educate yourself in different ways now and that going and furthering your education at a higher institution is very expensive. So if you're not going into a specialty field, I think it's a waste of time where I see Instagram influencers or dancers who make twice as much money as me. So that is my views on that. I think that people can educate themselves in various different ways, reading books, which we were big on on the last episode, like brothers with books, sisters with books, like that is a very informative way to get information. And I mean, if you want to go into a field where degrees are required, then of course you do that. But you guys know, I always tell people when they say they want to be a lawyer, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I always hear And what's the question? One more time, I want to make sure I hit on it exactly. Yeah. So before we get into that, for sure, I want to introduce our special guest for this episode, Sean Tory. And I'm going to just let you tell all of our guests what you do and what you're into. All right, so I guess uh, this is the first time I've actually not shadowed exactly what I do. So I'll start with, I work at the community college here in Las Vegas, Nevada, and specifically in the North Las Vegas area. Uh, I'm a, I have three positions there. I'm the campus life development coordinator. Uh, I am also the interim director for the Tyrone Thompson Student Union. And I'm also the business advisor slash analyst for the Nevada Grow and MBDA program. Uh, that's how is that? at the college that I work at. Um, and essentially I host their podcast too. So I have like two different shows. That's what I do with the college. Uh, I'm also a PhD student. So I'm getting my PhD in curriculum instruction with a concentration in cultural studies, international education and multicultural education. And um, I have a mentorship program called King of Jewels that I started with my, my brother, Nick Matthews. If you remember Destiny, Nick Matthews, who was, he was a part of Capitol back then. And uh, William McCurdy, assembly, uh, now Commissioner William McCurdy, uh, we started that program about five, six years ago, and that's been doing well. And I have my own business called The Unconquerable. Uh, it's, it's based off my dissertation. I have a show and a clothing brand attached to it. And the last but not least, the, the, far, the fact that I'm happy about the most is that I'm a father of two beautiful daughters, and uh, I'm also engaged as well. So those, that's, that's a little bit about me. That's Sean Torrey. That's a lot of hats you wear in there, my brother. But I think you're the perfect guest for, you know, this topic of education since you are so involved. And I, I want to kind of give you my opinion on education that's kind of in line with Destiny's opinion. And I want you to speak to it. Okay. Baby. okay I used to work at a behavioral facility, right? And coming in contact with certain kids who maybe have certain learning disabilities 
or simply are just not interested in school. I think in America, we have an elitist view of the education system where we say our vision of success is somebody going to college and then getting like a corporate job and being able to provide for themselves in that way. But I don't think we push enough that like back in the day where you could go to the factory or get a trade, become an electrician, work for UPS. There's a number of jobs where you don't necessarily have to have a higher degree and yet you can still own a respectable income for you and your family. So I think that this whole notion that every college is for everybody or we should push all kids at least in the beginning to go to college i don't agree with that sentiment what's your thoughts on it, my brother? hold on before you answer that i just want to add to what you were saying a little bit i think that's just like the old school way of looking at it because we weren't in this internet generation so going to school and going to college and getting degrees is very important because that's the only way that you're going to strive and make money but now like the the tables are completely different and millennials are proving like baby boomers wrong every day. Like I don't need to go to college. I don't need to do this. I can do this playing video games. I can do this on Instagram or I can do this wherever and still make a huge profit from it. It's crazy. Yes. So what I will say to that, right. And I agree to all of it, but this is the thing what's your game plan, right? What is your actual plan? If you don't have a plan and you're just sitting here going to college for no reason, of course, like then of course it doesn't serve you. Like for myself, I knew I wanted to be, I, I just, for the new of me, I wanted to be a therapist. I always had, I wanted to be a therapist, but when I got to that point, life, certain things happened and I was like, nah, I don't want to be a therapist. And what I initially figured out was I got into the therapy program to really figure my traumas out. And so, but what I was good at and what I love to do was mentor. I came back and mentored the youth group that I was a part of in high school. That that opened the door and I did that for free. That opened the doors for me to work at, um, to work with the juvenile youth at Spring Mountain. Then it led me to doing kids stuff in the community. Then it led me to being at the community college that I work at now because I loved mentoring. And that's how I got my foot in higher education. Then I remembered like, yo, I had so much fun in college. That's where I wanted to be. And for the past three years, that's what I've been doing. And now I'm pursuing my doctorate in higher education. But I tell you, yes, if you go, if you're sitting here trying to go to school, like under, if you don't have a plan, if you don't really understand what you're trying to do, don't sit here and waste time going to college. If you don't really have a thought out plan, if you understand you want to be at this position and it requires you to have certifications or if you're going to, it requires you to have certain a level of education, then you have to go in that direction. But understand if you do or you don't go to college, you're going to get capped at whatever career path you, you get to. Or even if you own a business, there's certain things you just don't know until you put yourself in that position and or not even put yourself in that position if you have opportunity and access to it. And that's the problem when it comes to education. Certain areas, and we can even talk about Las Vegas in particular, some schools have more access and opportunities than some other schools. Because you're in a, you can be black, Hispanic at a predominantly white high school and not have the same amount of access at this school than you would in a minority school and you wouldn't know about the HBCU tours or the or this or this program paying for your ACT SAT. Now it's a lot different when it comes to education. They that's like your that's your proficiency out to high school. You don't take proficiency tests anymore. You take the ACT and you graduate, which is mind blowing to me because a lot of us took the proficiencies good like 13, 14 years ago and we had to pass all three, four of them joints. 
Here's so Here, here's the question. Please. I'm going to cut you off. So yeah, I'm you with this scenario, right? You have two beautiful daughters. Uh, how old are they, by the way? My my oldest is eight, and my youngest is four. Okay, hypothetical situation. When your oldest mm-hmm. daughter is 15, and I know this won't be the case, but let's say she's struggling in school, right? Right. She goes to the counselor, and her counselor says, college might not be for you. You might want to look into beauty school. Here's the thing. Now, I normally think that that type of messaging might should come from the home. Like, I might, maybe, like, that's a parent, a parent, daughter, parent, son type of conversation to be like, okay, you're struggling. Maybe you want to come up with a trait. However, right. a lot of people, and I've worked with a lot of kids who don't have that type of, you know, direction at home where somebody pushes them in the right way. Do you think it would be wrong for a counselor to say, hey, you know, you, you tend to struggle in, in school. Academics don't tend to be like your strong suit, but you're good at this or you're good at that. Let's look at maybe me even being proactive in getting you your foot into some type of training program for a trade. Do you think that would be out of bounds for a counselor? It depends on the it depends on the person, the purpose and intent. So if you're if you're providing multiple, if you're not streamlining, if, if if my kid is struggling in school right now, that doesn't mean this kid won't be a lawyer. This doesn't mean this kid can't be a senator or a governor. Don't shortchange people just because at this particular moment, this is where they're at. And you're like making a whole life assessment for somebody who's 15, 16 years old. Things change within a year. Like I've seen people who had, who were nowhere scholars as they like to put it, those micro microaggressions that became assemblymen and are now making policies for the state. So I don't want to hear, like personally for me, I'm just like, nah, bruh. Like if you're going to talk about trades, let me know all my options. Let me know all my options. And then if it's like, okay, this is not realistic because if you go on this path, this is not realistic for you if you continue this path. But if you really want it, this is what you're going to have to do. Yeah. And, if and you say that, if you say that, then okay. Like, cool. Because you at least let me know what my options are going to be instead of being like, oh, no, you ain't going to do that. Just do this trade. Exactly. No. And, and I don't believe in ever a counselor saying you can't go to school. But what I'm saying is, like almost the way I presented it, hey, you seem to struggle in school. These are some trades that are available. And if you're right. interested, this is how you go about pursuing this particular trade. Mm-hmm. I personally, like if I had a kid, I wouldn't mind a counselor doing that for my child and, you know, suggesting like, hey, these are, there are trades if you struggle. However, the kind of what you were getting to, if a counselor went to my child and be like, college ain't for you. You don't got it in you, like, or something to that effect, then I would have a problem. But I love the way you presented it. Hey, if you continue on your current trajectory, Mm -hmm. that isn't conducive to you accomplishing the goal that you said that you have in pursuing higher education. And I think what what happens and too often, like your situation is completely different. You pursued higher education and then decided you wanted to do something else, but it was still kind of in line with still furthering your education. Mm-hmm. I think what happens a lot of time is people go to college with the idea that they'll find out what they want to do. They'll get there, they'll accumulate all this student debt, and then after uh, three years, drop out and have all this debt with nothing to show for it. Right. See, and I personally don't think that that's a diss at all. I think absolutely it matters how you deliver the message. But to be a beautician, these girls are out here making money. Like, it's $300 a head. Like, you can literally be making seven heads a day, like $2,100 a day. 
Like that isn't a diss to me. Like all these jobs that people once upon a time look down on are thriving. So. No, exactly. And that's the problem that I had with, with the last place that I worked at. We, like I said, it was a behavior facility. A lot of them struggled with school, but you walk around, the girls are doing each other's hair all the time. And I'm telling myself that the boys are building stuff with their hands. Right. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, don't get me wrong. You're already doing a shitty job educating kids because you're making all of this money, yet you're not paying a tutor or a teacher to be here to help them with their homework. The, the way they put it, the program teaches them how to do it. The computer program teaches them. That's not going to work. But but you don't care about that. So I'm saying, like, if you see them doing each other's hair all the time, why not try to make a... a a, a kind of an agreement with the school because you know how sometimes for beauty school you have to have a certain amount of you know actual work experience and work out why don't you have something like maybe you can expedite your hours like and uh, uh -huh. yeah if you come to the facility and help teach these kids kind of the basics so when after they're done being in the facility they're in a better position once they go to you know beauty school but like my my thing is is like you, you present a trade and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And like she said, a lot of people are doing really well doing hair. You can yeah. do eyelashes and make crazy amount of money. You know, barbers make good money. So I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm yeah. thinking to myself, like there's all these different possibilities that right. we could help this young, this young brother who might be struggling with school still be successful in life. Cause that's my end goal. I don't care about the elitist view of what success is. I want what's successful for that particular young man or young lady at that particular moment. You know, how can we get you to a point where you could be self-sufficient and provide for yourself and your, for our future family? Right. And, and I, another I one of those jobs to add to it are construction workers. Mm -hmm. They make a clean six figures a year. Like it is crazy. And I just, I just, in all respects, I just finally hit six figures. I just finally hit it. That's what's up. And they are making it like off the bat. Off the bat. The no, with high school diplomas. And that's the part that I, well, I had an episode about this on my show where we talked about the realities of education versus reality. We had somebody... My, my big bro, he had somebody who played JUCO, did his thing at JUCO, came back, worked construction. This dude, I think, just has an associates, but he makes over 300000 Like, but he, but he's, he, he didn't go back to college per se, but he has enough certifications to where he, he runs the place, chilling. He's done, enough, that's a, another form of education. I think the problem is we were sold a lie. We were sold a lie. And now where a lot of us are swimming in into continuous rat race of debt that it was another, right. if you want to go that far, you want to go on the radical side, you're conforming yourself to another type of slavery. But, oh. <laughs> hey, hey, say it, my brother. <laughs> you yes. want to go that far, you know what I'm saying? Yes. So but it's, it's just, and that's, and that's what happens. Like when you don't come in with a plan and, you, and you're trying to be a teacher, you have no business going to USC. Like what you doing, going to USC, trying to be a, a teacher when you're, you can go to UNR, UNOV, or community college and get the same education for that much cheaper. But you're, you're now, now we made it into a business, just like many industries, we turned it into a business, uh, opposed to actually learn and critically learn. And that's, that's what's not going on right now when it comes to education and the way we view education, we look down on certain things like, oh, you don't, you don't do what? You're not a part of this committee? Okay. Like, that's how we do people. And it's just like, nah, bro, like, I, I don't need to be or none of that to just justify myself or I don't need to talk this way just to 
make sure that I, I'm well equipped or I can move in multiple multitude of rooms. And no, I don't need to do all that. I, I'm gonna be who I am and I'm gonna respectfully ask for my check later. Pay me in food. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But no, I think you, you pointed out um, something that's very important, especially when it comes to higher education. I think I look at education in general differently when I'm dealing with black people and when I'm, well, people of color in general and then non-people of color. Cause I always say like for people who are considering higher education, you mm -hmm. have to come with the understanding that there's gonna be a lot of you know barriers to your education. And there's gonna be a lot of things that are put in your place that your non-classmates uh, of color may not have to deal with. So right. I think it's very important to just look at it holistically. And I want to make it very clear. This podcast, this episode is not about college is horrible, don't go to college. You're talking yeah. to three That's people who all pursued higher education. What we're saying is make sure that you're looking at all the different aspects of education before pursuing it, because a lot of people will generally be better off looking into a trade or looking into doing something else because it's 2021. There's so many different ways to make money and there's no, there's no shame in saying I didn't go to college, but I, I have a good job where I take care of my family. This ideal of success that's placed on the TV is not necessarily realistic and it's not necessarily applicable to the everyday person. Right. And I wholeheartedly agree with you, brother. And that's, that's the, that is the, that's, I think a lot of us millennials slash, what's the, what's the generation after this? Generation X? Gen X. Yeah, Gen X. They're, they're seeing, it's like, listen, I've had, and the problem too is a lot of these kids are going to college really seeing that the positions or the, the careers they're going for are not guaranteed careers that's going to last within the next 20 to 30 years. Mm -hmm. And so you have high school, middle school kids the gaming industry, gaming, these kids are, there, there's, there is a dome in Las Vegas where these kids can compete for money and make actual salaries playing video games right now. That's a whole nother niche that we don't even teach <laughs> in higher education. It's so crazy because parents tell their kids, stop playing fucking video games all day. Put the fucking games down. Yes. Like Fortnite, these kids, like. Mortgages. At Fortnite, I had a homie who's a gamer. He literally changed one of his curriculums to talk about the whole, how, you know how you can get little, I don't play Fortnite like that, but there's like coins you get for playing Fortnite. I don't play Bitcoin. But okay, cool. So there's, there's these little monies in the game <laughs> and he was teaching like, okay, if I had this amount of coins in Fortnite language, how much would I do this? And these, could, these kids understood it. So what he did was adapt the curriculum to their time. So that they can understand it. That's how you learn. That's how you cultivate. That's how you create co a curricular change and structure and social change. And that's how you mentor and slash have censorship. And I mean censorship in a sense of social change, not censor how you speak, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's listen, bro. We education is deep. Go ahead. My bad. Go no, ahead. no, no, no. But but see, that's what's major. And if you look at you know, like when you were talking about proficiency tests, yeah. I think that's another problem that we had in education. I had a buddy and I'm not gonna call him out, right? Passed the math proficiency like way above everybody else. Right. Like math was his thing, numbers are his things, but he didn't pass his other proficiency. Why would we now say you can't go on to higher education and graduate because you're not proficient in this area, these other areas, when you're so 
good in yeah. one particular area. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I see what you mean. Who cares if he doesn't know science? Like, he's so great at math that he could be the like uh, an engineer or he could go teach math. And it's right. like, so why are we now boxing him in with this proficiency test and say, well, I know you you uh, passed the math proficiency towards one of the top 1% in the nation, but you right. didn't pass science. So your college isn't for you. Like even the, the way we view specialization as a negative is, is crazy to me. It is. And uh, it's funny because I remember when we took the proficiency back with 2006, 2007, sophomore, junior year, the score to pass was a 304. After leaving, left college, came back, the score went from 304 to pass to 254. And kids were not graduating. So that it exposed the school district here in Las Vegas. It exposed that these kids that were not learning. Bad. It it's, was pretty bad. It's pretty bad. And two... I'm going to just say this. I feel like I'm being really negative this episode, but all this shit that you learn in school, I do not know how the fuck you apply that to life. But I, to answer, to go both on your points as far as proficiency and um, actually just learning, right? I didn't really start learning until I left our the high school that where we met. I didn't start learning until I met this, this phenomenal woman named Mrs. Montalvo. Um, I met her junior year at Cane Springs, Cane Springs Leadership Law Preparatory Academy Magnet School that's at North Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm proud to say. You uh, mean repping? <laughs> I was going to say, Cane Springs don't have the best reputation. I love the way how hard you went to rep it. You mean yes, repping hard, okay? Hey, Cane Springs, because we used to get a bad rep, man. <laughs> we used to get a bad rep for nothing. But I met Mrs. Montavo and she exposed me. She, she, she completely flipped my mind, taught me mythology taught me um, about Joseph Campbell, like exposed me to all these right to these to these philosophers. And I'm like questioning my my faith in God, my belief system. But because I think that's supposed to happen at some point in life, you're supposed to question these things. Yes, and um, you're, you're supposed to unlearn to, to, to unlearn to relearn to really process things yourself because we get to a point in education where, and not even just an education, at home yeah. education, where we were taught something because we were supposed to believe because our parents said it. Or it's, even religions like that. It's always it's, like that. Like you don't question these things. It's just the way it is. It is what it is. And, and, that, there's, and there's something that we're not taught either. There's a difference between religion and spirituality. They're parallel. Mm -hmm. But people don't like to talk about that conversation either. And that's something in education that we take out. When it comes to mental health, we didn't talk about it. The best thing we learned about anything health-wise was sex ed. And we had to take that. That was a whole hour conversation. They gave us the deodorant packets after. We, like, how are we talking? You talk about safe sex. You talk, we don't really learn about that till college. And by the time, we didn't know about three, four people who have caught the clap at college. And here's the thing. The curriculum, like, like you pointed out, the curriculum is crazy. I, you, you literally, I've gotten all the way to law school, about to go into my third year of law school, have never taken a class to this to this day that teaches you how to do your taxes. Oh. I've, I've, I've never, I've never taken a class to this day that teaches you how to do your taxes or about finances. I've what never about your credit? No, what? I was just about to say, I've never taken a class that tells you about your credit. I've never taken a class that tells you about stocks. I've no. never, to this day, even, even like, things like i've never taken a class that teaches you how to change a tire or uh change your oil 
Like I've never taken a class that is applicable to life, but I knew how to do trigonometry that I'll never use. That's, that's what I'm talking about. It's bullshit. It, a lot of it is bullshit. And that's the, like we, I literally just had this conversation on, on episode two, when we talked about where we like, cause like back then, right. If you were in Vegas, I'll speak Vegas because we destiny and myself had the opportunity to be a part of youth groups where we had black successful, um, mentors that tried to teach us they gave us the nice pillow version of like finances and it was boring so a lot of us was like yeah we ain't paying attention to this but we try like a lot of us try but you don't really then you get into you become an adult and it's like the checkings the savings the Roth IRAs the like how to invest in this oh if you want to have a business opening up a Dun and Bradstreet uh get a get a done number to get your build your business credit up people don't know how to do that like there's things that we did not learn until we had to go through it ourselves and then it was like okay if I want to teach about financial literacy teach me all of it uh or teach me most of it to where I actually want to peep it because kids back then and even now want to have their own businesses okay Talk about the realities, not scare them, but give them the realities of like, if this is what you want to do, understand what it comes with. Do you think that that's intentional? Like, do you do yeah. the education system yeah. does that intentionally? Because th there, it's the idea that the, the non-kids of color will get that type of information either mm -hmm. at home or seek it out. And then the kids of color won't seek it out or won't get it at the home. So it can, it, it, it's simply reaffirms that hierarchy or that structure within America to have the haves and the have nots because it's all about information. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Do you think the, like it's intentional on the education system to not teach us those type of things so it can kind of keep the, these classes the way that they are? Right. It's systemic. Yes. Uh, <laughs> if, we can, if, if you want to go far back to Brown versus Board of Education, you want to talk about segregation, you want to talk about redlining, you want to talk about okay. uh, affirmative action, you want to talk about, because affirmative action really wasn't for us, even if you talk about diversity, doesn't really mean Black folks, or it actually means white women. Uh, if you want to talk about- You better say, you better tell them the truth. A lot of people don't know that, but yes. they- stigmatized the idea of affirmative action and kind of, you know, came with these archetypes of the, like, uh, these ideal of these black women with multiple kids gaming the system. They wanted to put it in that light to get people to be like, oh, this affirmative action things or this government assistance things, that's all negative. That's all bad. But no, they just use black people as the scapegoat. Yes, they do. To, to, to like, for people who didn't want it, that coming out their taxes. Yes. They were like, well, let's say it's for black people and then nobody will support it. And that will be an entitlement. Not only that, they, uh, there's an issue, even in, in depending on, even higher ed, I'll just say in higher ed, because this happens in multiple industries, where if black folks do an event, the question becomes, how come Latinx uh, community is excluded? Or how come Native Americans are excluded? But you don't, when, when anything's Hispanic or Latinx, you don't, when they have their own thing, there's no issue. When the Native Americans have their own thing, there's no issue. When Asian Pacific Islanders have their own issue, their own thing, there's no issue. But when it comes to Black, it's always an issue or there's not proper funding that goes towards certain ethnic groups. You like to talk about HSI, MSI. HSI is Hispanic serving institution. MSI is minority serving institution. But when they talk about minority, they always happen to forget Black 
books. And I was literally at an HSI MSI conference last year. So year of 2019-2020. I get called to this meeting, whatever, to help out with this event. The thing that I found out, I was I asked, um, hey, where's the there was a panel for everybody else but black folks. And I said, hey, where's where's the panel for the black folks? This is an MSI HSI conference. How are you gonna have a minority surveying conference without black people? Room got silent. They said, oh, well, you know, we can get a pastor. I said, a pastor for do the to do what? The, 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 the devotion? The devotion? Oh, I couldn't. But hey, that's very intentional. I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah. that's very intentional. It is intentional. So yeah, I know. intentional but, what these kids but, go through. This is intentional why we don't have this information. It's but intentional. Not, but the, the reason that they said they'll get the pastors is, is historical. In the historical context, they've always tried to use the church and yes. black people's affinity for you know religion or God as a way to pacify the black community. So for him to say, well, we'll get the pastor, I that's that's very historically significant that it was a pastor. Yes. And because it's like we're talking about what out of why do you think a pastor would be most appropriate to represent black people in this particular form? At a at a, a conference talking about minority students. Like what's wrong exactly. with you? Exactly. Not a teacher, not somebody in higher education, but a pastor. Bro, we have two the boys. pastors to pacify. Right, like we have two border regions that are black. We have a commissioner that's black. We have a congressman that's black. That's four people. Then we have seven different assemblymen. We have a chair member who's black. There's 10 people in high political power that you could have got for a panel, but you want to get past it. So, and then you need to tell, and then you, then <laughs> it gets deep, bro. It gets deep. And then when you're dealing, then when you bring up the macro microaggressions, I feel bad for my sis, my queens, because if you're a black woman in these high positions, you're already silenced. As a black male, I understand my privilege that I get to speak my mind, but I also realize that as a black man, as speaking my mind, it comes with a consequence, but if you're a black woman, it's that much worse. Goes, so white men, this is, and literally, I read an article where we talked about this. It goes white men, white women, black men, black women. When it comes to do that one more time, because because people are hearing and can't hear. So like, <laughs> right. So if you want to look at a, a spectrum, like think of a bar graph and you want to talk about privilege when it comes to people verbally speaking. White men at the top. And, and we're looking at the top. You have white men. At like 100 percent. At 100 percent. Then you go down to I wouldn't even say 50. So let's go a little lower. Let's go. From, from 100 to 40, you have white women and black men. Then you go lower than that, about 10% to 15 black women. And, and that's, and, and for those of you who don't fit in either of those categories, that's, that's just to kind of, you know, phrase it. That's not to say, you know, they're not Asian yeah. or- Yeah, you know, because you, know, it, it, you, you gotta yeah, think. Exactly. In, between, in between that 40 to 15, 10 that I was telling you, that's where everybody else fits. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like that. Here's, the thing, here's the thing that I think is so important. It also depends, because, you know, it's this whole idea of intersectionality. If you have yes. been to the African-American studies, it's like, okay, so where are you socially, economically? Because the non-Black people love to point that no racism exists because of a LeBron James and not realizing the ideal of an intersectionality where if you have money, there's a certain level of fluidity that you have to be able to remove kind of in and out of groups. If, if you're, you know, if you're straight, if you're a Christian male, 
Um, what are the other things like? So like the worst thing that you can be in this woman, I mean, in this world is like a, a transsexual black woman who's an atheist. Like, cause now you're hitting all the box that are viewed negative, being poor, being homeless, like being uneducated, all these boxes kind of work to, to meet the axis of oppression. Like, so all these things work together. So like, like you said, I might be black, but if I'm a male, there, there's other males in certain social groups, especially as it relates to being more corporate industry, that will be more accepting to me than to Destiny because I'm still a man. Now I yep. might be black, but I'm still at least a man. You see what I'm saying? So I at least have that advantage over her. And you know, and the fact that that I'm a straight male and now I'm educated. Oh, so I, we, 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 we need to talk about that part. Like is <laughs> being a straight heterosexual male, we don't some, we don't see the privileges that we have vocally, mm. even though they're slim to what none much like, but think if if we're at that very small percentage, how can't you see it for someone who for someone who's a different gender than you and different sexuality. You're, you're black, you may be black a woman and you're a trans, you're transgender woman, transgender male, or you're lesbian or you're gay. And then you don't think about those, you don't think about those double whammies of disparities like that happen, like in the workplace or even in a personal life, like that shit happens, it's real. Like we can't sit here and ignore it. And then for every four to five black men you see killed on the news, you probably hear about one. And we like about black one black woman or two or three, but we don't talk about that. I remember I made I shared a post about that like, yo the NBA like NBA they said Breonna Taylor like yeah, but there was no big rah rah about it like it was Amon and my man George Floyd and a lot of brothers came at me about that and I'm like yo I wasn't discrediting a death is a death and it's terrible, but we can't sit here and not acknowledge like yo you can't name me five black women that you know publicly have been killed and have been made on the news besides Sandra Bland. No, but here's and the thing. Taylor. And here's the thing, my brother, that, that either furthers your point. Yeah. I grew up, I had this notion that black kids didn't go missing. Like oh. I, I always said, like I, I honestly had that belief because every time I knew about Natalie Holloway, I knew about Smart, like I knew about all these white kids that went right. missing. And I thought to myself, Black kids don't go missing because I've never heard of it. And then as I got older, I realized, no, we go missing all the time. Nobody and gives a fuck. Nobody no, puts it on the news. Go to the news and say, hey, my black child's missing. And right. they'll be lucky if they get a two second spot. But meanwhile, we got entire documentaries on, you know, white kids that go missing. Dude, oh. you, you ever heard, you ever heard of, uh, I just learned about because my lady, my fiance, loves serial killer shit, and uh, she was watching The Grim Sleeper. You ever heard of The Grim Sleeper? I, I haven't. What network is that on? So it was on the I, some ID shit, ID channel, some she be watching. But I, I got intrigued because this was a black man that was in South Central LA. Because there's another mass murder that I was around that time too. But this dude, Grim Sleeper, assaulted and killed over 135 black women. Wow. And barely anybody knows about him. He finally got caught. He did this spring from 1985 to 2007, 2009, 2009. And his last victim was killed in 2009. 
and he Get finally the got fuck out of here. That's uh, so much time. Look, look up, look up the great because he went on like a twelve year hiatus. But he was somebody who everyone loved in the community. No one thought of. Yeah, he was, and this shit is real. Like I had closest to them. Yeah, like this, but there was like a couple victims who survived. But it was like, yo, like you didn't hear about this, and these were black women getting killed. Yeah, and here's the thing: raped and assaulted. Crazy. Here's the thing, and to put that in the lens where you understand where you are in society and move into back back to the conversation of education. Education, yeah, exactly. That that's why I say you got to be aware of what you're getting into because there's a lot of things that you're gonna that you may experience on campus or if you're seeking that job in the corporate world you're saying oh i'm gonna go to college because i want to work in in a in a for a major corporation or a major firm you're gonna have those type of things against you where immediately the second you walk in the room you have to prove yourself in the way that your non uh, black people and non-people of color counterparts don't have to prove themselves i remember yeah. i went i went on a, a on a lunch uh situation with uh, and i won't reveal the person's name and yeah. he, he goes after good lunch and stuff like that great conversation and he goes you know he was like hey you should come work down at the, the da's office it's, it's you you'll do great you're very smart you're very articulate and he goes you're not one of those blmers and i'm like i was gonna be like and you're black <laughs> i go i go i'm and i'm thinking to myself i'm not a blmer like, first of all, now BLM never came up, but here's right. the thing, and this is why I bring that up, is because you, a lot of people pursue these degrees, and you go into that job interview, and you don't realize there's a test you don't even know that you're taking. Yeah. So BLM, like I said, BLM never came up, and he goes, you're not one of those BLMers. I didn't know that I had to dis disabuse you of that notion that I was a BLMer when I walked into the thing. Like walked into the to the to the lunch situation. I didn't even know that was something that needed to be dispelled. But yet that was something that clearly was on your mind because you don't say it unless unless you were thinking it. You see right, 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 right. So so as black people, there are certain there's certain rooms we want to get into and certain circles we want to be a part of, and we don't necessarily know what that means. And and then you have to have that moral argument where it's like do I pacify do I pacify them and kind of turn down who I am in order to get into the group that I want to get into? Because now I've already spent all this time. You and perform, I, you perform now I didn't have to do that because I have a bunch of, you know, ain't the good Lord, I have a bunch of job offers and stuff like that. And I would never work at the DSA's office anyway. But mm -hmm. it's like, for a lot of people, that's how you get these quote-unquote sellouts is because their only, uh, their only ticket of entry to those rooms that they've always wanted to be a part of was the quote-unquote sellout. Sellout, yeah. Unfortunately, that's toning down your blackness. Yes, and it happens all the time. I kid you not. When I got to a point in the city in Vegas to where I'm starting to get into the city, like city of Las Vegas, I'm getting the rooms, and then I'm starting to know, like, they're like, oh, man, we love you, but, you know, I'm like nah bro like i didn't say nah bro i'm like excuse me i don't think that's what are you trying to say like i'm i'm asking like yo are you asking me to conform my no nah, i'm good i'm good bro like and i'm sitting here like when you have a city where in las vegas and clark county when 14 we make up 14 percent of the school district but 37 percent of us are locked up in spring mountain or locked up and on the jails for juvenile justice and then only two percent of us are graduating from this institution 
4% from this institution. How are you okay with that? How don't you see the disparity, but you like to have conferences about the school to prison pipeline? Okay, Bucko. Here, here's the thing though, but here's the thing. And, we, and, we, and this goes hand in hand with the, the idea. And I think a lot of people don't see this, okay? So I work, like I said in the beginning of the episode, I worked in the behavioral, uh, behavioral <laughs> facility. Right, right. And this is what I tell people. When I say that there are certain power structures that are actively working against black people, this is what I say. We had people, we had white kids in our facility who were there for threatening to kill their parents and like taking a knife there. And then we had black kids in there for truancy. Yeah. Yep. For truancy. And then here's the thing, they get them in there for truancy and then they drug the kids up because all his life, he's never had all these various medical conditions, but they get in the facility and now all of a sudden he needs medication for this, this, and this. Right. That's just like the you. Oh, go ahead. And and this is and this is the problem. And then when you write in their report, they had no incidences today, and you know they were great. They go, they didn't do anything today, not one thing. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, why are you trying to keep these young kids locked in this institution, medicated, and, and you know what I'm saying? And it's like you're here for not going to school. Mm -hmm. That is just how it is. Even when I was interning at the juvenile public defenders, that's exactly what it is. They feel that courts and these institutions are better examples in minority kids' lives than their parents because they say like, oh, who's coming to court with you? Oh, what school do you go to? That's what they judge you off of, not about what kind of crime you committed. It's about what's going on around you because they want to keep you in these institutions so that they can monitor you for whatever reason. It's not about what you did or like what you have going on. It's just about them wanting to be a part of their lives because they feel that your parents aren't doing a sufficient amount of job. Right. Yeah. <laughs> nope. You're, you, you. It's fucked up. Like that's it just is. how it is. And, and it's, think about it. We have, this has been going on for decades, generation after generation. And we have more access and opportunities now, even we, we have it, it's available. Doesn't mean it's attainable though. Then, then folks in the 80s, 70s, 60s. So there's, it's that continued microaggression behavior because they didn't experience it, they don't get it, that they don't see why folks can't tie their own, sh tie their own shoes up for their own bootstraps. They don't get it. They don't get it without the boots. You know what I'm saying? And 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 here's the thing. And like I said, I think it's so important to have these type of conversations because mm -hmm. very few, like you said, you 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 were speaking to the fact that there's not a lot of representation in your particular field. And what's happened is, even though there's not a lot of representation, there's probably more representation than there's ever been. So yeah. now we're kind of being able to peek behind the veil and understand how these certain room, like rooms are operating when we're not present. And even mm -hmm. when we are present, how they're operating. And then we really can be able to paint a picture for these young black kids, young kids of color and let them know like, this is the, this is the reality of the situation. 
And a lot of times you, you're being painted this, this picture that college is going to be your solution or that this be your savior or your escape goat, your gateway. Exactly. To you know, yeah. it's always this idea. You go get a degree and you can find a job and they don't tell you that so many people get a whole bunch of, can get a doctorate and can't find a job. They get you know, a job. Exactly. So what I'm saying is, and like I said, I'm not bashing on college or I'm not bashing on school. It's very important. And if, if it's your thing, like, absolutely. But I'm saying if I can leave our viewers with any message, especially those who have kids, is don't be so willing to say it's college or bust for my kid. Mm -hmm. Understand the, the strengths of your kid. And maybe they have a talent that's outside of you know, the normal confines of this elitist mentality that you have to go to college and then they can be able to find their niche and still have a very successful life. But I want to just point out one thing. I don't like viewing it in the lens of, oh, make money on Instagram or, you know, the professional athlete route, because I right. feel like a lot of kids already have that mind be like, oh, well, I don't have to go to like do this or that because I'll just play basketball or I'll just do this. And I, and, and I'm not saying you won't do that. Maybe you will. But what I'm saying is that may not necessarily be the, the, the idea or the message that I'm trying to push, but the right. message I'm trying to push is there are so many options that you have and don't close any potential open doors that exist to you. Yes. And I think, one thing to point out when it comes to the athlete, right? There's there's a there's a concept of academic and athlete slavery, right? Where okay, if I want to be, if I want to go to the to the league, I have to just do this amount of years in college, and then I can go. With with but then you're closing those doors and those opportunities for you to leverage and get to do and network with people so that you can have longevity. The one thing, one great thing I loved about Kobe and LeBron, they both didn't go to college, but Kobe knew five, six different languages. His dad played overseas. He had, he had he was so scary. much knowledge. He was great. And then like my fiance owns a volleyball, volleyball club. Mamba had a volleyball club. He positioned himself to where he straight after balling. His eldest but, daughter played volleyball. In my yes, his older daughter played volleyball and like, my fiance got a chance to meet him like before he passed away last year when he, he was at the tournament. He was here in Vegas at the tournament. But LeBron is, if you pay attention closely, LeBron is positioning himself to where he's in multiple industries. He's in the film industry. He's in education. Oh, he's, he's not going nowhere. He's about to be a billionaire. Yeah, he's good. But that's that's how you position yourself. He understands there's a life outside the game. He knows he's not playing this thing forever. And a lot of these youth don't, think that way they're like oh i'm gonna go play and it's gonna fund me forever without having a plan no for sure and for here's sure. the thing and i'm and i'm gonna let you wrap it up destiny after i say this i think you hit on major things use your gifts as a tool for whatever particular moment you're at you may be a star athlete in high school who may not play in college or may not play professionally but being everybody who's been to college, I mean, high school knows you might still be somewhat of a big man or woman on campus. Use that as an opportunity to network and position yourself for if you don't go to college, 
finding a job then. Use whatever gifts and talents you have. Use your popularity. Maybe you're a class clown, but everybody loves you. Use your opportunities there to network while you're still in high school so that when it comes to, maybe you go out on your own business, but now you have a consumer base because you're so popular and you know somebody who does graphics, you know somebody who does this, you know somebody who does that. You know, like I said, the main thing that we want to get from this education thing is to look at the picture holistically and know that there's different ways to go about it. That's what you take. No, straight up. Okay, before we wrap things up, I want you, Sean, to drop some gems for our audience. So as a mentor, what are three things of advice that you would give our young audience? Or Never unlearn. Never unlearn. Be, pa- uh, be patient, pa- be passionate, persistent, and patient. That's number two. Okay. Number three, always follow your bliss. Always I, follow your bliss. I love that. I feel like us adults can use that too. Yes. But thank you so much, Sean Tory, for joining us. Please, one more time for our audience, plug all your organizations and businesses for us. <laughs> no problem. So uh, everyone, you can follow me at sir, uh, Tory T-O-R-Y. That's my personal Instagram or Sean Tory on Facebook. But my website is www.officialunconquerable.com. You can find us at Official Unconquerable on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of it. We even have a LinkedIn. And then King of Jewels, you can find us at King of Jewels LB on Instagram and Facebook. So, so yep, that's where you busy, can find Busy, busy man. Thank you guys all for joining us. We'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, you guys, for listening. And if you haven't already, please like and subscribe to our podcast. I am Destiny Johnson. I'm Larry Sampson. Thanks for joining us. And remember, we said that shit. And we meant that shit.